Welcome back to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the school community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. In this episode, we speak to Richard Meehan about music at Reading Bluecoat. Richard is passionate about music. You can tell that just by the way he talks about music both in school and when he's not at school. So we're going to find out what opportunities there are for students to get involved in music at school at all levels and what things have changed regarding music since 2020 impacted all of our lives. But come with me as we explore the world of music at Reading Bluecoat through the eyes of Richard Meehan. Richard, thank you for joining us on the Reading Blues podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing all about music and music at the school. But first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you, Simon. I've been working on some jazz music. Um, we've uh, started with a group of friends, a, a band that would be suitable for weddings and parties and other glamorous uh, things like that. And we've been producing a demo. And so this morning I uh, edited it and engineered it and it's sounding really good. So today's um, got off to a really good start. Thank you. And we're recording this just before a weekend. What are your plans for the weekend this weekend? Well, um, at the time of recording, we are preparing to go back to school. So most of what I shall do will be setting up, making sure that I'm ready for the term ahead, which is uh, going to be a very busy one, I think, Um, not only for the assessments that are coming up, but also I'm really, really keen and really excited that we might actually have our first one, maybe even two, in-person events with an actual live audience. Now, they'll be separated, they'll be spread out, and they'll be, I'm hoping there'll be enough to actually get some sense of a crowd when we've performed, but that's uh, really exciting. And then in between that, I shall be trying to make sure that my house is as clean and tidy as possible, because there won't be time during the term. (laughs) Okay, so in this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about music. But before we get on to that, could you share us a little bit about yourself? So, for example, where you've worked before you ended up at Reading Bluecoat School? Okay, um, time passes very quickly, doesn't it? I actually started my teaching career in 2003. I started it in Stratford-on-Avon, and that was um, at Shakespeare's old school. Um, I mean, we assume it was Shakespeare's old school. There's no record of him being there. The old school room was still there, and it was uh, fascinating just quite how blasé you got um, doing assemblies in the room in which Shakespeare was in all likelihood, um, educated. Uh, and after that, I, I moved on, on to Reading, to Reading School, which is in the centre of town. And uh, for the past three years, I've been working at RBC. Okay, right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, and where did you train and where did you study before you started your career? Well, I uh, trained in as a musician at Durham University. Mm-hmm. But of course, um, I uh, grew up in the Midlands and uh, I think almost any musician would tell you that their, their musical education comes not from one place, but for their, their all of the music that they've done in their various different places. So uh, being in the Nottingham Youth Orchestra, all, all of the different courses that you might go on as a teenager, all of these are really, really important and you never really stop learning. But uh, after Durham, I well, I did an extra year for an, a master's at Durham and then I went down to train as a teacher at uh, Cambridge um, and that was a, another sort of a very different place. You might assume that they have uh, are, are similar, but actually a, a very different place. Now, lockdown has meant a huge change in delivering music to audiences. But tell me something about how that's been for you. Well, for me as um, an individual musician, it's been a really good opportunity to work on my 
own personal musicianship. When you need to commute to work and commute back again, when your day is scheduled to the minute, it can sometimes be difficult then to come home and really find two hours to do the necessary practice to keep yourself growing. But one of the things that was good about the lockdown and having to stay at home was that with there being a little bit more flexibility within the day, you could actually work on my um, piano practice, I could work on my trombone practice. And it was really good to take that opportunity in spite of sort of the general depressing nature of not being able to work with with other people. Hmm. And I'm actually wrote a, a, a short 20-minute piece called A Sweet Antique for a, a little band, um, a sort of meet myself and a group of friends, which is featuring the piano and it's working in in this as a composer the way I would have done as a teenager and it was okay. quite nice to revisit the way in which you would have worked as a teenager I, uh, obviously having started in 2003 you get some idea of uh, of, of how much time has passed but it was really nice to revisit that way of doing things and we actually performed uh, a festival called Henley Out of the Box Festival run by Henley Theatre Services okay. which was done remotely of course but there was a camera crew and there was a sound crew it was essentially keeping the Henley Theatre Services team in practice mm. and reminding people that they still existed and that was at once terrifying but also really exciting mm. to, to put that together I had a look for it the other day and I, I have to say I couldn't find it so I'm, I'm hoping it's still there somewhere and what opportunities might there be for students at the school to to do some kind of online delivery of music or anything different to what traditionally students have done in the past? Well, we have really learned so much in the past year about actually what you can do to reach people remotely and virtually. We've mm. Um, really made use of the school's YouTube channel. Um, I was checking just yesterday and the music that we've made with the students since this time last year has amassed something like 20, well, has amassed over 23,000 hits. Wow. Which is, okay. uh, I think, I um, people ask me, is that good? And, and I'm not sure, but I think it's more than than, than we would have had if we hadn't been doing lockdown. Mm. And we, we took a few different ways of doing things. So the the first one we did was the Swing into Summertime, which should normally be a big outdoor celebration um, from a, the, for the past two, three years. We've been doing it in a marquee. And so it feels like a, a wedding or a summer celebration. It's, it's got that really joyful feel to it. Mm. And you would uh, say goodbye to the leavers, and then in between that, you would introduce as much, as large a picture of the music making as you could. Mm. But we couldn't do that, of course. So we did it um, remotely. That was the first uh, proper event that we did. And we had a mixture of recordings that had been prepared. We actually did manage to do six performances from home. And then we finished with a video of Hey Jude, which had something like 70, 80 members of the Reading Bluecoat community uh, oh, taking wow. part with that and that's really uh, that is a thing that I will look back on I'm being really really proud of it and you mentioned hey Jude is that because you've got a love of the Beatles or because you recognize that a lot of students and parents equally like the Beatles well if I'm going to be very cynical about it is because it was the piece that we were going to do as the finale 
for the rock and pop concert, which is called okay. the Spring Spectacular. Um, so we'd already done a couple of rehearsals on it, with there was still more to do, because this was going to be two or three weeks after lockdown started. And so it was a piece we already knew. But when I was in sixth form, I went through a massive Beatles phase, and I have a slightly encyclopedic, please don't test me, but I have a slightly <laughs> encyclopedic knowledge of the Beatles. And Hey Jude, rather like Bridge Over Troubled Water, it's just one of those absolutely indestructible classics that means things to to everyone. And mm. with that long outro with the na 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 nas, there's such a lot you can do to show all of the people who've been taking part. And so it, it worked really well. But uh, the more prosaic truth is that that was the piece we'd rehearsed and weren't able to do. So just to stick with the Beatles for a second, what would be one of your favourite Beatles songs of all time? Oh, um, I might be able to do a top ten. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you two, Richard. Well, I particularly love. If I had to take one, if, if it was, if, if if I needed to choose the one to go into outer space, mm-hmm. it would have to be a day in the life. Okay, um, yeah. because I think that is the one that really shows what the Beatles were doing. But I, mm. um, of the more obscure ones, in insofar as any Beatles song is is obscure. I really love Across the Universe. I love Fixing a Hole. I particularly love Got to Get You Into My Life. I have Baby You Can Drive My Car. There are some that are perfect and slightly less well-known. Hey Bulldog, too. Um, And so it would probably... So you you did uh, whittle me down to two, but there are are the five of the sort of slightly less that don't make the the top 20 greatest Beatles songs that uh, I have particular affection for. Well, let's stick with this for a minute. Let's imagine that you're stuck on a desert island and you can only have one person's music. It could be a a single musician or a composer like Mozart, or it could be a band like Queen. Who might you choose in that situation? That's a really interesting question. I think I would actually, if I could take someone's complete catalogue, I would take Mm -hmm. David Bowie's uh, catalogue. David Bowie. Because he is so different at every single point. You can have, there's a, an album for every mood. I mm. did a, a very long walk uh, so over the summer for about four hours and I was entirely on my own. And mm. I listened to the entirety of Low, which is one of my favourite albums. But there might also be time when um, Ziggy Stardust was, was the right one, which mm. is a completely different sound and almost like a completely different artist. You've actually got all of the different David Bowies there, because I think you would want variety. Um, I think you would want variety. And there's so much of it that I don't know, that I imagine is full of lots of um, bijou bits, lots of bits and bobs, lots of surprises, hidden gems. Yeah. And then if I said you needed to choose one classical composer as well, who might you choose then? Right. They can accompany David Bowie, so I'm not taking away David Bowie. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, that would be, uh, that would be different. Um, I particularly... Uh, the the ones that have stayed with me are Tchaikovsky and Gershwin and and he's still alive a composer called John Adams, who in my head is fifty six, but actually I, I I now see he is in his seventies because time passes and it, time, it passes for them as well. So if we're looking for one of those that complemented David Bowie, you would probably take Tchaikovsky because the tunes, the melodies, you know, the guy could really write a tune. Okay, well tell me about your favourite genre of music then. What would you say that is? I think that's a fairly easy one. My favourite genre of music, the one that really gets me every time, is swing and big band music. 
with a good friend at university, we sort of restarted the Durham University Big Band. I, I have to say at this point, it was more his lead than mine. But I, I had a, a smaller amount of input at the time. And I took over as MD for a couple of years in my last two years. And since then, I've been absolutely in love with it. It's so joyful. It requires you to play it well. It, you, you, mm. Good players are rewarded by it. The tunes, um, as same thing with Tchaikovsky, I just love great tunes. Um, it seems like like such a lowbrow thing to say, but uh, a really pleasing melody is, is one of the most beautiful things. Mm. And it just has such electricity and such energy to it. And you can do it in so many different ways. It's, uh, mm. it's, it's, Getting on for 100 years, well, it's probably more than 100 years old now. The birth of the big band is probably, yes, getting on for 100 years. And so all of sort of living memory would could be scored by a big band, depending on um, how you were to do it. Yeah. yeah. So what opportunities are there then for students at Reading Bluecoat to get involved in that kind of music? Uh, well, we have two big bands. Uh, mm. My hope is that in time we will have three and that the a junior and intermediate and a senior, with the senior and the intermediate being uh, the exact right people. So one chair for each player who should be there. That's four trumpets, four mm. trombones, five saxes. You might have a spare, just in case someone was ill. Piano, bass, drums, guitar. So have, having exactly the right number of the right sort of instruments. At the minute, we have a junior band called the Jazz Cats. Okay. People in uh, years seven and eight. And they are a really great and um, very promising bunch of, of, of youngsters. The trumpets in particular, we've, we, we're really blessed at RBC for a, a great intake of trumpeters who really play out and have that confidence. Hmm. And then we have the RBC big band who are, are really fantastic. If I do say so myself, if I can sort of fly the flag for them, they are a really great bunch of players and they play in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a school band. So what do the students get from being a part of a band like that? How do you think they might feel when they're rehearsing or performing, one or the other? In performance, if you're doing it right, it should be the most rewarding and electrifying thing. The penultimate event we were able to do before lockdown started was the the Jazz Cafe. So we'd start with the junior jazz band. We'd have an open mic slot of me with sort of um, heading, directing a professional trio. And then for the second half, the senior band would play. Hmm. That particular night, it hit the sweet spot. It all came together. It got a unanimous standing ovation. And there is something about that that keeps you buzzing for a week afterwards. So that's what you would get from performance. And I know because students would from time to time contact me to say how much they remembered and how much they appreciated and how much that experience has stayed with them. In terms of performance, what you're really looking for or what I'm really looking for is people who have the self-discipline to understand that uh, rehearsal might not be fun. That with rehearsal, we have a job to do. We need to make sure that we have filled the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds of distance run for the entire entirety of that evening rehearsal, mm. that what you do is you give your time and in return, uh, we work as hard as we can to really raise our game to the highest level. Um, it can sometimes be quite fun, but actually I really like to get to a position where we can, we, we can challenge ourselves. Well, let's look at music for a moment then. Music from the 70s or the 80s through to today. Which musicians would you say that most people have heard of that are 
excellent, but possibly underrated in society. Can you think of any? Yes, I probably can, except they might not be underrated depending on who you'd spoken to. Of course. In terms of really great pop musicians, I don't think there's anyone to to touch uh, Quincy Jones or okay. Earth, Wind and Fire. The knowledge that... Uh, the portfolio of knowledge that Quincy Jones has to be able to do that writing, directing, to keep some very wayward musicians in line and make those things that just sound so much better than they need to. If you listen mm. to Blame It on the Boogie, there's the way that track sits on the speakers, the way every single element is absolutely precisely put together for something that that is regarded as ephemera. Um, the uh, the Jacksons weren't at that point weren't weren't thinking them, of themselves as as being sort of important historical artists. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They were they were just trying to do the job as well as they could, and that job was having fun and dancing. And there is something absolutely precise and absolutely spot on about the way that piece works. I think so. So it would be those seventies players who were making. Um, music just to be consumed and disposable, but nevertheless did it much, much better than it needed to be done. Is that why you think the likes of Quincy Jones were involved in uh, some of the proms in the past as well? I would have thought so. Of course, um, if you're involved in a prom, you're not really underrated. Maybe at some point um, in the next uh, five minutes, someone underrated who's much better than they might otherwise have expected to be. I think perhaps George Michael and Wham, it always sounds a little bit... There's there's some things that happen in those tracks that I'm not sure how someone who was allegedly self-taught uh, and not trying to do things seriously actually managed to get it to be that spot on and, and, and good. But I imagine uh, George Michael himself might have done a prom as well. Um, if you've been around for long enough, your merits are eventually recognised, I think. No, I completely agree. How would you unwrap the delights of Rachmaninoff to students who are more keen to hear music by Stormzy or Billie Eilish or someone like that? That's a really interesting question. And sometimes the answer is just as simple as making sure people have heard it. Because when you actually see these things performed live, when you watch, let's say you're in in year seven, and you watch a year 10 play a Rachmaninoff etude, there is something just incredibly immediate and incredibly visceral about the way the sound is used, about just quite how you cannot believe that a piece of um, acoustic equipment, uh, not electronic equipment, Mm. and a single person can produce something like that. So sometimes it's just as simple as showing them. The one thing I've found that doesn't work as well as you might expect it to is to try and make those Hey Wow Kids style connections. They will come eventually, but... I, I think that's an older mindset who likes to make those sort of connections. Mm. I think the younger mindset tend to be quite open about these sort of things, so long as you're presenting them in a in a truthful way, so long as you're presenting them in a way that really shows how amazing uh, these things are. If you present anything in the wrong way, you can you can quite happily make it off-putting, I'm, I'm sure. Richard, we've talked about music in school, but I'd love to know something more about you. So I've got a couple of questions here just about you now. Go on then. What instrument do you not play, but you wish you could? I think there are two, because they would be really, really useful. 
before that, I must say I wish I was better on the violin because there would be an awful lot of things I could do if I was a little bit better on the violin. Mm-hmm. I wish I played the guitar better. I can strum a few basic chords. I can show people chords shapes to the five or six basic chords they might need to to access music in the classroom. Mm. But I wish I was better on the guitar. I wish I had some sort of skill because when I'm doing my demos, when I'm doing my mock-ups, uh, when I'm working at home, the fact that I have to bring in a guitarist, explain to them how I would like it to be, how we might only have a, a 10, 20 minutes to explore rather than three or four days, which I'd be able to do at home. Mm. So at some point, I, and I, I think this will always be in the future, I might actually work a little bit more on the on the guitar. And then I only play the trombone, whereas I would really like to be an all-round brass player, to be a decent trumpet player, because that's also right. very useful. It's one of the things that I, again, can't do for the mock-up. And uh, if I could play those two, I could probably play the French horn as well. So those are the, the ones that will be quite useful and the ones where I have no choice but to hire someone in um, to play them. Apart from music, what else are you into that other people might not know about? Well, it really is very much uh, music. I particularly love uh, movies, but I think uh, I think everyone does. I find myself developing encyclopedic knowledges of uh, knowledge, rather of um, uh, things like um, James Bond, or I uh, might find myself uh, uh, getting into classic Doctor Who at the minute. So um, the, the, the consuming of culture, certainly, that's, that's important. And I particularly love spending time with friends. That is um, what else uh, comes with my, my time. But actually, most of the time, if it's not brain-based, like puzzles, uh, for example, um, it is almost entirely music of, of mm. the constructive things that I do. If you're anything at all like me, then some of the films that you like to watch are those that have got a good movie soundtrack in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and uh, The Empire Strikes Back, I think, are two of John Williams' finest ones. Those are just particularly brilliant soundtracks. But uh, Joker, um, I did actually win an Oscar for it that I saw during uh, the summer when lockdown eased a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, A really interesting score, a really sonically interesting score as well. And of course, um, I get a better appreciation for films like Tron, from 1982, which has a really exciting or interesting electronic soundtrack, as does Blade Runner, actually, um, from the same year. So yes, it, it is a lot about the soundtrack. I think I would find it very difficult to really love a film that didn't have a good soundtrack. No, no I, I'm with you there, on the same page. <laughs> we need to bring this to a close in a moment, but for anyone who's heard anything and might have a follow-up question to anything you've said, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Um, well, you can email me at rmm at rbcs.org.uk or you could just uh, contact the school directly, especially if you've got uh, questions for interesting things that you might want to do with the school. We're always looking for ways to be creative and try and do things in a slightly different way. So, yeah, yes, we'd be, we'd be very, very happy to be contacted through the school. Richard, it's been great talking to you today. It's been amazing hearing about music and I love hearing your passion for the subject as well. Thank you very much indeed. It's been really great to be with you. And that was Richard Meehan talking about music at the school. Richard, I really enjoyed talking to you and I really appreciate your time coming on to this episode. Now, you can contact Richard directly by emailing rmm 
at rbcs.org.uk. And also, don't forget, our next episode is coming out soon. So be sure to follow this channel. And it just means that when the next episode is released, you'll receive a small notification and you won't miss it. So look after yourselves. And in the meantime, we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye for now.